0: Liverpool 3-0, call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah!
1: Yeah! Yeah! Unbelievable!
2: <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Anfield Central podcast. This week I'm joined by Paddy and Ahmed as we discuss all the latest goings on at Liverpool FC. Ahmed, it's your first show, so if you'd like to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you first became a Liverpool fan, your favourite player, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, yeah, nice
0: to be on. Um, really been a Liverpool fan for as long as I, I can remember. Uh, I remember probably my oldest soccer memory as a kid was was the twenty uh, the 2005 uh, Champions League final and seeing Gerard score, score that first goal and waving his arms around. As a little kid, I started running around the house waving my arms around, and ever since, I just became a Liverpool fan. Um, as you can tell from my accent, not from Britain, but... Um, grew up in America, but from then on, uh, my dad was also a big Liverpool fan, so I kind of just took off from there. Um, and I think because of that moment, Gerrard was always my favourite player. Um, I guess in more recent times, it's, it's Salah, just because I'm also originally Egyptian, so kind of seeing the, the link there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited to be on, excited to, to discuss what we've
2: got today. Cool, looking forward to it. Now, we'll kick off with the good news. And that is that finally Liverpool have won a game of football again. They were victorious in Yorkshire, 2-0 over Sheffield United. Um, Paddy, what what's your overall assessment of the performance? Uh
1: yeah, mainly thing, and most importantly, anyway, we've got to three points in the performance, probably could have been better and probably could have been kind of put up, could have put away a few more chances, which would have been nice to get the confidence up we managed to beat them by, I suppose, three or four goals. But the main thing is a win, like a, if, if you ask me, would I take a scrappy one nil before the game, I'd have snapped your hand off. So I think just to get to three points on the board and get back to back into a bit of form is is the main thing.
0: Yeah, Patty, I agree. I mean, honestly, any any three points was I would have taken on the weekend given our current form. Um, I think it was nice to see that we actually had some concrete chances rather than just good build up play. It seems like the past two months there have been, you know, decent passing, decent movement of the ball, but in the final third, just just no end product. And, um, you know, it's funny because I guess our two goals are maybe two of the, the the least dangerous of maybe some of our chances compared to what we had in the first half. But uh, like you said, I'll, I'll take 2-0 at this point. I'll take any three points, given given the situation we're in.
2: Yeah, I think um, that's echoed by Liverpool fans pretty much everywhere. One thing that was quite interesting about the weekend, I thought well, Curtis Jones was obviously the kind of the standout performer. I thought he played really well. He was involved a lot more at the upper upper end of the pitch. Um, it seemed that his role and his position may have been tweaked slightly. Klopp was talking earlier in the week about wanting him to be more decisive in the final third, and we definitely saw that. Going forward, do you think that's something we're likely to see, Paddy?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it wasn't just Jones. It was a very difficult kind of um, tactical approach. I think there was a clear shift, and the system was much more fluid than supposed to have seen recently with um, Jones kind of pushing further onto the left wing and Mane tucking inside. Robertson is really high up the pitch as well. Um so I suppose getting the extra numbers kind of you're nearly attacking with a three two five formation as such. So um, yeah, that's that adds up right a three two five. Um yeah, so I think helped us get bodies into the box, helped us be a lot more dynamic and just I suppose fluid is the, is the the buzzword from there.
0: Yeah, agreed. I think um, I think it's important to have a midfielder making more runs into the box because too often uh, we see our front three getting pulled out just because it's a very fluid front three. Uh, they are out, you know, helping the build up play, especially Firmino, and we end up in situations where it's either Trent or Robbo on the wings looking to cross, and there's no one in the box. Um, and I think to be totally honest, that still happened a little too much on the on the on the weekend. I think there were a lot of situations where you saw Robertson in good positions and just kind of pulling it back. Um, but I think getting those, those late runs, especially given kind of the, the fact that our front three is a little a little stagnant right now, um, a little devoid of ideas, uh, finding, I guess, another outlet to uh, connect link of play, uh, find spaces in the box is, is important right now. So there is definitely a shift.
2: And looking a little bit more at that front three, particularly Firmino, he seemed to have probably the best chances in terms of that front three there was one or two that he really should have been better with um, what springs to mind instantly he had a one-on-one with Aaron Ramsdale who seemed like a man possessed in the first half didn't he He was making all kinds of saves um but I just can't understand sometimes guys how a man like Roberto Firmino who's passing accuracy and finding people in such tight spaces is so good how when he's confronted with such a you know a large goal his finishing could be so poor yeah, it's
1: it's definitely a weird one, I suppose. When we signed Firmino, I, I don't think we thought we were getting a striker, really. I think everyone assumed we were getting a kind of a number 10, which is kind of weird played his whole career. Um, so I think he hasn't, he never really has had that natural instinct of, of being a finisher, I suppose. And definitely, I think lately, I think everybody knows that he's not a good finisher. And he, he has seen that sort of thing on social media that, you know, Pundits and fans are they know he's not a good finisher, so I think it kind of plays in his mind a little bit. And you can see with the one where he squared it back, um, was it Tamani? He squared it back to, and he should have just he should have just hit that as hard as he possibly could. I think he just he, his confidence just didn't let him take a shot on. I don't think.
0: Yeah, I mean, at, at halftime the pundits were hammering him. Uh, they weren't they weren't holding back on him. And uh, like Paddy said, I mean, we bought him more as a just an attacking midfielder um and kind of converted him into a striker and and you can tell it's not natural to him he doesn't have the I guess the natural finishing instincts and the other part of it is he's just so naturally unselfish that um you know I think the best strikers in the world have that natural selfishness just to just to bury to bury chances when they have it and um you know it'll be interesting because now his jobs are coming back uh to see how they they interplay there where you know, could Jota take his spot or could they try to play them alongside each other, maybe with Firmino a little farther back and I guess something that's a little more natural to him over the course of his career. I don't know. But I mean, it's, this unfortunately, it's not something that that's new to Firmino. I think we've kind of been having these conversations in bits and parts for the better part of two years now. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see how, how Klopp goes about that.
2: Yeah, it's just something that's became a lot more evident now coupled with the poor form, isn't it? But like you say, it has been mentioned previously. It's nothing necessarily new one factor that springs to mind I think this has been discussed before on the show is that with the absence of fans in the stadium is Firmino one of those players who kind of thrives off the atmosphere we saw it when fans were briefly brought back into the stadium just before Christmas that Tottenham game particularly when the fans were singing the C. Senor song he seemed to really thrive off that energy do you think that's something to do with it? Definitely I think he's,
1: he's a very emotional player and he kind of plays off kind of buzz that the fans give him. So I think like when we saw when he scored against Spurs, he went straight down to the top. I think I said that in the podcast a few weeks ago, that I think it's fairly obvious that um that he does pay off the the buzz of the fans.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean I think he's not the only one too on, on this Liverpool side. And it's something that you know I think would be would be supported by the the run he went on last year where he couldn't score away from home. Um, what was it, like a better part of a year where he didn't score a goal away from home. So, you know, given, given kind of his playing style, his, his emotions, I think it's fair to say it probably has affected him. But then again, uh, it's because it's such a cutthroat business, you kind of have to find ways through that, I guess. And um, I'm a big Firmino supporter, but, at t- you know, when, when the results get bad, you kind of rely on your big players to, to pull through. Yeah,
2: definitely. I think even though the goal was actually taken away from him in the end because it went down as an own goal, just kind of being involved in a goal or in a big moment in a match hopefully will help going forward, um, particularly with some pretty big games coming up. Another kind of headline, I guess, from the weekend before a ball was kicked was that obviously Alisson um, was not involved due to his father very sadly passing away. And we had Adrian back in goal. Um, something I think it's fair to say a lot of Liverpool fans were nervous about before before the game, um, particularly with Kelleher also injured, Adrian's been very you know shaky when he has had to had to play this season but overall defensively it looked it looked okay there's one or two hairy moments particularly you know when the Kabak put the ball in his own net but it was obviously thankfully offside in terms of that defensive unit it was Nat Phillips and Kabak again on the weekend is that something we have to kind of stick with now just kind of get some stability and solidity at the back rather than chopping and changing which we had to do due to the injuries?
1: I think, yeah, for the weekend, for the next game, or for Thursday night even, I think, yes, we have to stick with it, try build on a clean sheet. You know, it's, There's no point in, in changing it until they give us a reason to. But I think before long, I think they are going to give us a reason to, to want to change it because you just don't have much faith in Phillips and Kavak to form a, a good enough partnership because I think if we were playing a more kind of a cultural team than Sheffield United, then they would have punished us um, so I think for now, yeah, play with them, see how they go, see if they can build up a good partnership. It's not impossible. So, But, you know, if they do give us a reason to, to have to change it, then I don't think there should be any, um, any punches pulled, really.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, we brought in into play, and, I, you know, he's, he's a 20-year-old, and I don't think it's fair to constantly shuffle him Around with a bunch of different defensive partners in a time when he never really had time to acclimate to the city, the, the, the Liverpool system, the, his teammates, the language, etc. Uh, it's hard to expect any 20-year-old, regardless of how talented they are, to be able to adjust when they have so many different partners and they're going through so much of a transition like that. So I think given especially the fact that Matt Phillips has played pretty well when he's been on the field... Um, you know, obviously he may not be the, the most glamorous defender, uh, a little bit more of an old school defender, but when he's been on the field, you know, you don't, you don't have too many complaints. Um, and given, given the options behind them, I, I think it's best to kind of just stick with, with what we have now and let them, I guess, feel each other out and, um, uh, gain a better understanding of chemistry with each other. Um, because that, as it stands, really the only other option would be Fabinho now that he's most likely back and maybe Ben Davies if he's back but you know that's just introducing another player who's never who's never played in the Liverpool shirt so I I'd agree I think for now at least they should kind of stick with those two let them develop a little chemistry with each other
2: yeah and I think the other problem is is that at this stage of the season what are we in you know we've just entered March now is that every game is absolutely huge there's not a great deal of time for experimentation there's no without both the cup competitions we've literally just got champions league fixtures and every premier league game which is massive if we want to you know get in the top four spots which is really what we have to be aiming for because the title you would obviously say is, is long long gone in terms of consistency now we've been on this dreadful run since the turn of the year we've now got a win under our belts it's been difficult it's been hard for supporters and in that squad you imagine the mood's been low Klopp said himself that it's not the best mood wise in in the in the dressing room at the moment um how important is it just to kind of get some consistency even if you know we've got a massive game on Thursday against Chelsea which we'll come on to but even if the result doesn't go our way in terms of a win say if it's a draw for example just getting some performances and just kind of going through the motions and being like you know this is we are Liverpool this is what we do, and just getting that consistency back into the play more than anything else.
1: Yeah, definitely, it's vital because I think we saw when we, we were in the start of the bad run, then we turned around and we beat Spurs, beat West Ham. I think it was nearly a bit of a false dawn. I think all the fans probably thought, okay, we're going to go on a run now, we're going to win every game for the rest of the season, and then straight away it's, it's, it's over already. Um, so I think the players maybe even believe that themselves, that it would be simply just turning up every game. Whereas now I think they know for sure that it's going to take a lot more effort. It's going to take a lot more than than what they've been given for the last while. So I think um, getting that bit of consistency is it's definitely going to be a massive thing for us.
0: Yep, agreed. I think we, you know, I think obviously this season has been nothing like last season, but I think finding, you know, some of the performances from last season, bits and pieces, and, and putting them together is, is kind of where you go. You know, you talked about Curtis Jones earlier. One thing that impressed me on the weekend was. That's the best I've seen Trent play in a while. Um, you know, it looked like there were there was more movement from Mane. You know, even though he wasn't that great, he was more active. You know, it felt like like for the past two months he just he just didn't look the part. Like he didn't really want to be there quite as much. Um, kind of tired legs, and I think just piecing all that together. But you know, it seems like things are really stacked against us because you know, as we have the opportunity now to to gain some momentum, uh, you know, we have a, a an international break coming in a couple of weeks that could easily kind of cut that off Um, in a time where we could have used one probably a month ago when we had all the injuries and now you know it seems like everyone's starting to come back Um, but with that being said we'll probably have a couple more injuries knock on wood in the in the next couple weeks so it's hard but I think you know finding finding I guess small small bits and pieces of, of the form that we had last year and putting it together is the best way to go
2: yeah absolutely and the games come thick and fast starting on Thursday Chelsea come to Anfield obviously massive massive game in the fight for top four, really. Um, What can we expect from this one, guys? Chelsea, a bit rejuvenated, you'd say, under Tuchel. They didn't look massively impressive on the weekend against Man United, but they look a lot more organised. They're kind of tactically um, very much intelligent side. Tuchel's, you know, a very experienced coach. What's riding on this? Is this kind of, if we were to lose this game, are we really going to have to start thinking maybe we're not going to get top four this season and have a real regroup? Or could this game, if it goes in the positive direction on the other side of things, really be a catalyst onto better things?
1: I think there's been a few games this season where you've said it's the biggest game of the season. No, this is the biggest game of the season again um, because I think as good as West Ham and Everton have been I do, I don't think they'll, they'll be able to finish out the season and, and make a real push for top four, which they're probably going to make me look completely ridiculous now in a few months' time when they finish third and fourth, but it's just their squad depth and everything. It's, I, I really just think that Chelsea are our biggest rivals for top four, so I think we lose to them, I don't know, it's, it's hard to see. Hard to see us getting it, but if we beat them, then as you say, then definitely can catapult us to, to go on a good run and, and just seal that fourth place.
0: Yep, agreed. I think, I think this is the biggest game of the season. Um, they're one point ahead of us right now, and I think in all likelihood our main challenges for, for perhaps that last top four spot if we want to assume Leicester City get in, which may not even, you know, be the reality. But, um, you know, I think weirdly enough, although they look better with Tuchel, at least more organized, I think the system change maybe fits us a little bit better. I think they've given um, a little less freedom to some of their more attacking players uh, given given the uh, the their formation change uh, and you know now we're not even seeing guys like Kulisic and uh, ZH play uh, and I think those are guys that maybe could have given uh, our, our back backline some problems and now you know they they lack I guess also a cutting edge a consistent cutting edge striker to to I guess attack our two inexperienced center backs so I, I'm not discounting them by any means but I almost feel like their strengths. Uh, match in our favour a bit, given given where the where the team's at
2: right now. You must be psychic, because so That's literally was going to lead on to my very next question, is that <laughs> their kind of possession style as well. Like on the weekend against Man United, they've had a lot of the ball, um, whereas Man United kind of played more counter-attacking football, a bit like the Man United we saw when Solskjaer very first took over. Armad's just mentioned it there, Paddy, but do you think it could favour us?
1: It do, in one sense, because... Since Tuchel has come in, they have obviously dominated the ball a lot more. But then I was looking at teams that played against It's Wolves, Burnley, Spurs, Sheffield United, Newcastle, Atletico Madrid and United. So all of those are, are deep block sides. United are going to play again on the counter, which is, which is what they're always going to do. So I think they're kind of dominating the ball by default, really. Um, and then I suppose the one side, the one high-pressing side that did play was Southampton, and they got a draw. So... Yeah, I think the evidence is there to show us that it will suit us, but you just never know. Um, I think we will have the most to the, the ball, but I think Chelsea are just still very unpredictable at this kind of early stage of their, their new era, I suppose you'd say.
2: And I guess it also kind of depends what, what Liverpool turn up in the attacking sense. So on that, selection-wise, it's looking a little bit brighter than it did a month ago. We've got guys coming back. Um, we'll just go through these in order, really. Fabinho... He, um, Klopp was saying, should be back for this game, Um, assuming he is fit and is able to go into the starting 11. We've already talked about maybe trying to form a bit of a partnership with Kabak and Phillips in the centre-half positions. So, you go Fabinho back into the midfield from the start?
1: I wouldn't, yes. No, I think i give him another game maybe two games off because I think the big problem with Fabinho this season is we've been struggling so much at the fact that he's had to come straight back in after picking up an injury and just picked up another one so I think give him another maybe week of training and and fancy our chances in the next two games because yeah I want to see Fabinho go back into midfield I think when we had Henderson there I don't think it was as vital but I think now that Henderson is going to be out for a few weeks I think we need Fabinho on midfield so I don't want to throw him straight into kind of the rough and tumble of, of a big Premier League game just yet. I don't want to give him a bit more rest and recuperation time.
0: I'm I'm so tempted to say he needs to go straight in, um, but I have to agree with Paddy. There's just there's just he's just too important of a player at this stage of the season to risk anything like that, especially in such a big high 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 pressure game. Um, so I think I think ultimately I could see him maybe making an appearance off the bench, but there's just although this is the biggest game of the season one game isn't more important than the than the next 10 and I think right now given how he'll get thrown in straight in the deep end um, he'll have to go into challenges uh, very quickly and I think there's just too much to risk to throw him right in so as much as I'd like to say him from the from the start I think I think you have to you have to go with what we have now, especially given that I, I guess the three midfielders we played on the weekend are also in, in relatively good form. Each of them played pretty well.
2: Yeah, I think it's clock def- will definitely kind of err on the side of caution, particularly given the amount of injuries we've had this season. I don't think he's going to be taking any risks. Um, Nabi Keita came back on the weekend. He came off the bench for the kind of last 10, 15 minutes against Sheffield United. Um, I imagine he wouldn't start this one, particularly like Armas just mentioned there that the midfield three of Thiago, Wijnaldum and Jones played really well but how much of a boost is it to kind of have another body and another option he's a very different midfielder to to those ones I just mentioned there how much of a bonus is it just to have him available because we don't have him available really anywhere near enough
1: yeah it's massive he's he's so good isn't he he's just so (laughs) such a good footballer Um, I think every time he gets the ball he's just you're, you're at the edge of your seat you're excited and he just has the ability to do basically everything in the field. Like, I think his defensive work rate is underrated as well. He's putting up as many tackles and interceptions as, as any of our midfielders, really. So, I think he really is all around just the perfect to keep him fit. So, I think having him there, putting pressure on Wijnaldum, Thiago, and Jones to, to kind of his performances that they've given, or that they gave last weekend, I think it's going to be massive for us. And hopefully, he'll be able to. to force one of them out of the team with just some high quality performances himself.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's kind of a similar situation with kato where you know his value, you know how much he can do. And, 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 and like you said, Luke, I mean, he just gives you something different. He gives something different that none of the other midfielders provide. I mean, besides maybe Curtis Jones, he's the only one who can really drive at the defense at the stage and just make something out of nothing. Uh, just, you know, doesn't do the simple things. And I think he's, he's in a similar situation as Fabinho that where he just, you just can't throw him in straight, you know, straight from the get go. Um, he's just too injury prone right now, or at least in the past year or two, that um, you know, you you risk a lot by just throwing him in, especially in a big game like this. But you know, my my memory also shifts to the last, uh, you know, this this fixture last season where he scored an absolute worldie from outside the box against Chelsea. Um, so I think it's I think he's a good option to have. I think he's somebody I can definitely see coming in if. Curtis Jones struggles or even just as a, as a, as a, um, as a uh, substitute, if he's, uh, you know, just looking for a different option. Um, but I think it's also something where we're going to have to preach patience for a
2: little bit. And finally on, in terms of the players that are coming back into the side, Diogo Jota, we were hoping we might see him on the weekend, but unfortunately he, he was, wasn't very well. He, it wasn't injury. It was illness that kept him out of that because We were kind of thinking he'd be on the bench, not, Again, not in terms of this game, because you, he, you know, he's not going to go straight back in, particularly when you consider what a big injury he had. But when he did get that injury, he was in such great form. He was scoring so many goals for Liverpool, both off the bench and starting matches. Again, I'm to sound like a broken record, but how important is it that we have another option for that front three? A guy that, you know, was absolutely on fire when he, when he first went into the team.
1: Yeah, it's massive again. I think that's a lot of the time this season, pundits and fans, everyone has been very critical of the front three and in turn they've been critical of the recruitment staff for not, you know, adding someone else to the side to, to push them and, and maybe push one of them out of the team. Whereas I think a lot of people forget that they did. They signed Jota in the summer and he, by this stage, if he stayed first, I think Mane or Firmino probably would be more of a bit pair player. So I think, like... I think his loss has been massively understated. I don't think he even gets mentioned um, on the coverage of games and the Sky Sports studio or anything like that. I don't think any of the pundits um, even think of of how big a loss he's been. So I think having him back would be massive for us.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the past couple of months that he's been out, you know, we, we've constantly said that the front three look a little tired. They look a little uh, short of ideas and, I you know I think one of the reasons Jota has been so effective is he really does he really is different from the other three, uh, he's more direct he's a little more instinctual or in and around the box, um, and I think he's someone where early in the season you know a lot of the goals he he was scoring were just were, were late winners just when we needed a goal he he kind of just turned up in the right moments, and you know I think there have been so many games over the past couple months where it be you know maybe the Brighton game the Burnley game things like that where. It felt like if you could have subbed him in in the 70th minute, he could have found a goal. He could have been the, the one to unlock the defense. And now, I mean, I, I think it's a situation. Assuming he's fit, I, I can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't come off the bench in some in some manner. Whether we're down a goal, it's a tie game. Even if we're if we're up by several goals, just to get him some playing time. I, I'm excited to see him on the field again because I think he he just he just gives us something different and he adds this this element of unpredictability that we just have not had for the past couple months.
2: Yeah, he's definitely kind of been a rare bright spark in an otherwise pretty miserable season. You just kind of think to yourself, if Klopp hadn't played him in that Champions League game against Midgetland, that was, you know, insignificant. We'd already qualified, we'd already won the group. And he had been fit for the last two, three months. You know, how, how different things, things might have turned out. Um, in terms of Chelsea's threat, it's quite obvious. They've got a lot of talented attacking options if we're going to assume that Kabak and Phillips are going to start alongside each other, you'd imagine it would be Giroud or Abraham who starts. Giroud's kind of played the last few. Um, Abraham wasn't actually involved at all on the weekend against Chelsea, but those are the two forwards who have occupied those kind of central positions since two has gone in. How much trouble, let's say, you know, if Giroud plays, how much trouble are Kabak and and Phillips going to get from, from a Giroud? Because he's someone who's probably a little bit underrated in England.
1: Yeah, it's, it's actually a, an interesting one in the sense that I think if Giroud plays, it actually might suit us because we're probably going to go a bit more direct, which Nat Phillips will absolutely love because he just lives for headers. So I think if Drew's there, I, as I do think I agree with you there. He's very underrated and he's, he's in good form this season, in fairness to him. But I think um, if he does play, I'd, I'd be happier to see him playing than I think Tammy Abraham, who's... Very underrated in my eyes. Or even if Werner plays as a number nine, I think either of their pace could could threaten us and could um, cause a few problems. So I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see who lines up for Chelsea because they've rotated such such a or they've rotated a lot lately. So yeah, I agree. I think
0: you know Giroud, as Paddy said. I mean, he's been massively underrated, um, and he's obviously had a little bit of a resurgence this season. But I think. Despite the, the inconsistent and, you know, sometimes just purely bad form that especially Werner has been in this season and also Abraham, Giroud just suits the two center backs we have more. Uh, you know, like Patty said, I think, uh, you know, a more direct route is better for someone like Phillips. And I think, you know, if I look at Werner, the, the idea, or even Abraham, who's, who's, who's quick off the ball, one of the things that I've noticed that's been probably Kavak's biggest problem since he's gotten here is that he ball watches a lot. And there's been a couple of times in multiple games where, you know, whether it be the in goal, there were a couple of, uh, chances that Sheffield had on the weekend where just for a half second, he takes his eye off the defender and they make a run right in behind him and they're in. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, prime Werner would have absolutely torched him for. So um, I think, I think despite how good a form he's been in, I'd probably prefer Giroux um, and I think it's likely that we'd probably get him,
2: honestly. After the Chelsea game um, on Thursday, we've got a clash against Fulham at Anfield, so two home games in a row. Um, Another team we've struggled against this season, it was 1-1 draw down at Craven Cottage. Um, We seem to have had a bit of a knack again this season, which we did kind of have this habit a few years back of always kind of struggling against those teams towards the bottom. If you look at the bottom kind of six, I think we've dropped points against other than Sheffield United, all of them. Um, so that's something we need to address on the weekend, isn't it, Paddy?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Fulham, the first game we played then was early December, if I'm not mistaken, I think. So it was before we kind of went into free fall and it was definitely a big shock to everyone when we, when we, when we scraped the draw, I suppose you could say. Um, they frustrated us a lot. I think we had 75% possession, but they actually created as many chances as we did, if not more. So I think definitely we'd have learned that they're actually a good side. And, nine like if you if you look back through past premier league seasons i don't think they would be in as close to the relegation zone as they are well, obviously they're in the relegation zone but i don't think they'd be in as um as deep a scrap as they're in so um yeah i think they're a good side for sure yeah i mean i think i think our against the
0: bottom six is concerning but the one almost the one team i'd give a, a, a pass to is Fulham. you know when we played them they looked genuinely really good and as Patty said, you know, you watch them, they don't come off as a, a side in the relegation zone. They play, they have some good players. Um, they, they play hard for their manager. They uh, they have a pretty defined system and they, they have a lot of different outlets where they can, they can attack you, you know? And I think given, given our injuries, they're actually, unfortunately, you know, unsimilar to Chelsea a side that I see could give us a lot of problems. Um I think they 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 like to use some of their more uh, attacking wide players like uh, Lookman and uh, Cordova Reed. Uh, and I think those guys could give our give our fullback some problems. And I think um, you know, they just play they just play a very much a, I guess a fast-paced game and I think that's something that that might not suit us given given what we're looking for.
2: Looking at those wide players that they have, they're definitely definitely the threats. Um, do you think that could kind of Nullify our fullbacks a little bit, particularly if you think that they might be a bit concerned in the sense that having a new centre-back pa- partnership along alongside each other, they might be a little less willing to kind of commit forward. Obviously, that's a massive part of Liverpool's system is the fullbacks being creative outlets. But do you think they'll have that in their mind, Paddy? That these guys are really, really quick. They can definitely hurt us, and alongside a new centre-back pairing. As on top of that it's another thing to worry about and it could actually hurt us as a, as a team going forward as well as what they can actually do themselves on the ball
1: yeah I think they'll. to be honest I think we'll it'll be similar enough game to the last time I think we'll have a lot of the ball I think they'll sit deep because they were obviously in, in poor defensive form back when we played them and since then they've I think it was Leicester, they lost 2 0 to a few games ago. And since then, they've gone back to a back four after being the back three for the majority of the season. And they've, they've been really solid at the back lately. They've had, um, I think it was a five games, they've only, they're unbeaten the last five and only conceded one goal. So I think it's actually their defense, I think, is, is going to be the big struggle for us. But yeah, I think they definitely have pace going forward. I think Luckman, Josh Madja, Bobby Dickard over Reed, they're going to they're gonna give us a bit of trouble with their, their pace in the counter, I think, definitely.
0: Yeah, I think you know. I think a lot of it is going to depend on how the how the the game starts. You know, if you if you remember when you played them a few months back, they they took the initiative at the beginning and and the likes of Lookman and Decordova reed kind of pinned our fullbacks back. Um, you know, and I think I think it's up to us to kind of start off strong and pin them back uh, because you know if you take their those wide players out of the game, they don't have too much of of a threat. You know, they're not going to have much to supply Maggio with. Um, so I think you know I it's interesting because they were very much more of a free flowing side until like Patty said, they kind of made that formation switch. And I, it feels like they're going for a little bit more of a consistent, solid, uh, base now. So it'll, it'll be interesting. I think now because of that, you know, the, the one thing that the the five in the back provides you is just a bunch of different outlets to attack from. Whereas the four in the back, the more traditional, you know, four, three, three, or four, two, three, one, it's a little more rigid as far as who who's creating the plays. Um, so, you know, I think it, it, that makes it even more important that you pin the likes of Lookman and DiCordova read back because of, if you do, uh, you know, you, you eliminate a lot of, of their potential goal scoring threat.
2: And another part of Liverpool's problem this season against this type of opposition is particularly if you look at the games against Burnley and Brighton, I think are really good examples of this. The longer they stay in the game, those teams, they get, gain a little bit of belief bit more confidence they take a few more risks going forward and they've it's been shown that we've been susceptible to lapses of concentration of judgment at the back do you think it's important in a game like this that you kind of stamp your authority early too often this season Liverpool's tempo or passing or all-round game has been a little bit off a little bit sloppy and it's allowed the other team where they made before the game have kind of came into it expecting a draw would be a positive result, given we've kind of almost given them the belief that they can beat us. So is it important from a Liverpool point of view that we go into these games with the right mindset and set a markdown from the very first minute?
1: Yeah, I think it has because all season we've been going in at halftime, it's been nil all. I'd be running the Twitter account for games and then typing in a halftime nil all again. Like I'm actually sick of not scoring in the first half. I think we need to try score early, force them to come out and attack us and, and, you know, that'll make space for us to, to um, counter. And, and um, that's kind of where we're most dangerous is when teams are forced to come out and get out of their deep blocks, try to score themselves. So I think if we managed to put America on early score an early goal, then that's kind of how we would put those kind of teams to bed. Yep, Couldn't
0: send a better. I mean, I, like Patty said, it just seems like I can't, I, Genuinely can't remember the last time we we scored in the first half. And I think with these, with these lower sides, you score on them early. um, It it becomes really difficult for them because you've completely thrown their game plan out the window, you know, because these teams are fully, fully happy to defend and go for a zero zero draw. And then if you score on them early, they have to shift everything. And that's when you start seeing, you know, the gaps open up, Uh, you know, they get a little more, uh, you know, they start taking more risks and, you know, they're already a little more vulnerable defensively as is. Um, And, you know, when they start getting out of position, uh, that's that's when you can really feast on them. And I think, uh, like I said earlier, I think the key here is really just that that first 20 minutes, you know, being able to pin those fullbacks back and hopefully get a goal. But if not, you know, at least taking control of the game. And, you know, given the fact that we don't have that cutting edge that we had last season to score, you know, 70th minute, 80th minute, 90th minute winners, uh, it becomes even more vital.
2: And as well as that as well, Fulham were a very kind of organized side. So, in terms of Liverpool, they really need to get their clinical edge back. So the West Brom game is a great example of this. Like like you say, Ahmed, once you get a goal early, a lot of the time these teams do crumble. But that West Brom game, we scored a goal, went 1-0 up, and the whole first half, we absolutely hammered them. And then they ended up not taking our chances, and it finishes 1-1. Those other games against Burnley Brighton, we don't have as many chances, and they stay in the game, and they grow in belief, and they go on and win the game. So I guess the question is... When is the front three, as, a, as as a cohesive unit, let alone just as individuals, gonna get that clinical goal scoring nature back? We've seen, you know, to be fair to Salah, he has kind of kept that up. He's still the Premier League top scorer. He's still Liverpool's top scorer, and you dread to think where we'd be without him. But Firmino you know, and Mane as well, particularly Mane, because he's one you'd say, you know, you'd usually last season, the season before, he'd be scoring most, you know, kind of one in two or one in three games. These guys really need to kind of get their mojo back, don't they?
1: Yeah, definitely. But I think a big thing is they're just absolutely wrecked tired, to be honest with you. I think um Manet basically plays every minute of every game and has done for the last three, four years. Then he goes off to Senegal to play international games, long flights on planes, getting back last minute, going to from combinations, getting three days of, of rest before starting last season. I think like you just have to give him a break and just give him a summer off, like just to, to rest and get back to himself because I suppose he's he's in his peak now, and he's going to be coming to the end of it very soon. So I think he needs to make the most of these next year and two. So I think just give him the break, give him the best opportunity to to get back to himself, and and um, hopefully he'll kick on and get back to him, his old self. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I I think that's I, like like both of you guys said. I think I think Mane is the one who stands out with me as the one who whose form disappoints me the most. But you know, somewhat understandably, you know, it looks like he just can't kick into that last year that he normally can. Um, And I think a rest could, could do, uh, but obviously given, given the circumstances, he's probably not going to get it anytime soon. Um, And the other point I think is that that has made it, that it's been harder for this front three is I guess none of the three are really natural finishers. And, you know, that sounds kind of uh, unfair to Salah, especially, but, you know, you look at Salah, he's not necessarily clinical. Um, he's a guy who's who prides on the fact that he creates so many chances and doesn't necessarily finish that many of them. But he's just so good at creating those chances. So you know when things get a little slower, when the, there's more tired legs and those chances aren't as frequent, that's that's I think why we have a lot of the problems because none of the three I guess are natural finishers. They they just create so many chances that uh, you know their relatively low low conversion rate is is okay given the fact that they create so many. But now that you know things have dried up a little bit, they just that lack of clinicalness
2: has, has, has punished us a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot more noticeable, I guess. Does that kind of tiredness, it's a really important, uh, interesting question because does that kind of open a wider debate on Klopp's system in the sense that when he left Dortmund, he kind of obviously came to a natural end of a cycle with that team. And a lot of players, um, a lot of pundits, sorry, kind of did say Klopp's style of play and the intensity and the pressing style is... Is effective, but long-term it's not necessarily um, feasible. Is that something we need to be concerned about as a whole or is it just, you know, this season we could put down as a one-off, everything's really weird and different due to the COVID situation. The season's kind of been pushed into a smaller gap despite the fact that there's the same amount of games to be played. What do you think of, of that?
1: Yeah, it's definitely relentless, I suppose, style of play. But then at the same time you look at it, Man City, they press probably just as much as we do. But they have the benefit of being able to rotate a lot more than we have been. So I think rotation is key with Jordan top system. I think being able to bring in players of equal quality when somebody needs a break, that's that's kind of a massive thing when you're playing at the top of the very, very, very top of the game, I suppose. So I think definitely while it is relentless, I think a club of Liverpool should have should have the ability, I suppose, to um to rotate the players and, and give them all the rest they need.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think when Klopp came, you know, the first the first year or two we were pressing like madmen, and I think it was something like like you said, Luke uh, pundits noted that probably it wasn't long term going to be viable for, for a team with our aspirations, um, and I think that's why you see, you know, we it's definitely toned down in the past couple of years. Um is it we still press obviously, but it's you know it's it's I guess a little more tactical pressing. Um I guess finding, you know, finding uh you know, finding corners where we can put teams in and pressing them then rather than you know just chasing people around. Um and I think yeah, that's why the rotation becomes so so important. You know, we've been kind of fortunate where we have a front three that miraculously don't get injured much at all, despite the fact that they play near every game. Um and you know, it almost it almost seems like that's something that, at some point, we're not going to be quite as fortunate. Um, but I guess you know, maybe I guess our, our karmas come in different ways, where we just lose every defender this season rather than losing any
2: more from three. <laughs> yeah, don't, we don't need any. If we have any injuries up there, as well as at the back, there's just no point watching any games at this point. Um, in terms of team selection, I'm not going to ask you to kind of talk about team selection per se, because it, there's obviously a game in between these two fixtures. So it's, God knows what will happen in terms of injuries, but also it's just generally difficult to predict. But with the Champions League game, you know, the other side of the weekend, is this a game, I don't want to say is this a game you want to rotate in because obviously given the situation Liverpool are in, we don't really have the luxury of being able to rest players because we need to make up ground and we basically need to win as many games as possible. But is it a game we might see someone like Kai to start or maybe Fabinho will start if he, if he's rested against Chelsea or or Jota perhaps or you know some some of these guys who Oxo Chamberlain Shakiri people like that who maybe don't don't play as often with the Champions League game with this full on game sandwich between Chelsea and the Champions League game is this an opportunity for that to happen
1: yeah i think as as you say we haven't really been afforded the luxury been able to rotate but i think yeah if Jota's fit to start a game then i think this is where you throw him in give mané a rest i think you bring Keita in for Wijnaldum because he definitely needs a break Um, because I think the likes of... I don't think you really need Wijnaldum and Tiago in, in this game because I think Fulham are going to be quite deep and I think the energy of Andre and Gisa, who's I think, absolutely unbelievable there. I think he's he's going to be able to boss the midfield if we don't have legs around him and um, and be able to put pressure on him. So I think I'd start Keita, I'd start Jota if he's up to it and I'd probably maybe even rest one of the fullbacks. I know Costa Sinicas is probably not fit, but I wouldn't say no to to throwing him in, Um, even though I know Robertson is vital. But I just think Champions League has to be our number one priority, really, at this stage. So if we can rest those few players without dropping in quality, like, dramatically, then, yeah, I'd I'd try to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think think there's a lot of reasons where it makes sense to rotate in that game like you know obviously first just to give some of these these other guys a rest Um, and secondly you know we have as you've said a lot of guys who are just now coming back from injury you know we've mentioned Fabinho, Jota, Keita, um, even Milner and I think you know given them giving them I guess the opportunity to play it for a more extended period of time to get them back into form because Keita is only so valuable if we're only going to you know give him appearances in the 80th minute of games where he kind of passes it around a little. If we want to actually see him more effective, I think, I think he's going to need to find games where he can, he can play the full, you know, at least from the get-go. And, um, you know, if if we're not going to do that in a game like this against Fulham, I'm not sure exactly when we are. So um, yeah, especially given, uh, you know, that, that Champions League game coming up to, to give some of those guys a rest and to also see if we can get, the likes of Jota, you know, 90 minutes or at least maybe 70 minutes uh, to so we can figure out if we can rely on them for that big Champions League tie. I think it's 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 a really, really great opportunity to do so.
2: Yeah, I think the last time Kai to start a game was that Crystal Palace 7-0 win and think he was fantastic that day. Um, just finally, in terms of where we are, we're kind of obviously just a point or two, let me just get the Premier League table up to be accurate, actually. We are currently in sixth place, um, two points off West Ham in in fourth. Obviously, if Everton win their game in hand, then they will go into the top four. But we're only kind of, I think it was seven points off Manchester United in second place. That's not a huge gap, particularly when you see that Man United are kind of, they're not the most consistent side they've got a big game on the weekend against Manchester City they dropped points this week against Chelsea Leicester as well they've had so many injuries um they obviously lost against Arsenal this is the kind of time where last season they fell away a bit obviously top four is where we're kind of going to be aiming at because of the context of where, what's happened this season we're hoping to get in top four but actually if we do put a little bit of a run together I mean could we still finish second perhaps
1: Possible, I think we're probably going to have to win nearly every single game but it's possible because yeah as you say Leicester their injuries are top enough Evans and Barnes both went off the weekend and um, Madison's out Verdi is in and out it's they're, they're really struggling back there Fofana is injured um. so yeah as you say last season they fell off around this time so definitely possible for them to do the same again United could do absolutely anything Everton I think they're getting hands against Villa who you know tough game. It could be I could see a draw there easily. So it's not out of the question at all. Um, it's just we are going to have to be very, very consistent, to put up going around that we put up say the last few years in terms of, of winning runs. But um, it's going to be tough, but it's definitely possible.
0: Yeah, I mean I think if we if we're able to refine some of the form that you know we had maybe in the at maybe the earlier stages of this season or even you know last season it's, it's definitely within the realm. I mean, I, two through eight, you can honestly say you could move things around in almost any way you want at this point. And, you know, given how bad a form we've been in for the past two months or so, it's, it's frankly kind of incredible that we're only two points off the top four. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that none of the other teams really have seized the opportunity. Um, you know, United have been okay. Leicester have been solid, but, um, you know, teams like Chelsea, teams like Tottenham, team, and you know West Ham. I guess are a little different because they couldn't really ask for more. But they haven't necessarily been in blazing form themselves. These teams that were around, and I think if you know, given our talent and given who we have, we're the team that's maybe best placed to to go on a, a really good run to win. You know, five, six, seven on the you know straight games. But with that being said, that's a very big if because as we've seen, we can also lose three, four, five straight games. So is it possible? Yes. And I think it's, you know, it just in a way it's relieving because I really do feel like the ball is in our court. I feel like our success and our top four hopes largely depend on how we do um, because I just don't think necessarily any of the other teams are good enough to uh, just go on these long runs of unbeaten uh, games that, you know, will make it that if we win, we still won't be able to catch them.
2: Yeah. And, A big statement win on Thursday against Chelsea will hopefully kind of spark that run. So, fingers crossed there. That's all for this week's show. Ahmed, thanks for joining us for the first time. It's been a pleasure to have you. Cheers. Um, And Paddy, it's a pleasure as always to have your company. Thank you. Always good to be here. Now, there's plenty you can still get from us during the week. We'll be back next week for a preview of the Champions League and all the reaction to Chelsea and Fulham. But if you want more content, anfieldcentral.co.uk is the place to go. We've always got articles going up on there about transfers, about news, sadly about injuries as well, but hopefully less of those in the next few weeks. And if you want to check us out on Twitter, we're anfield underscore central. In terms of the podcast, we're on Acast and Apple Podcasts. So until next week, goodbye. There we go.